Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Eddington. And this week, we are going to review a new Netflix holiday film called Holidate, which this time I was the one who had never heard of it until we decided to, to review it. Um, How's it feel? Yeah, it felt, uh, it felt fine. I was, I was skeptical and finished skeptical. <laughs> I feel like at least Holiday is a very clear-cut title sure. for a film, so you kind of know uh-huh. what you're going into. I feel like whenever I do that, I'm like, this is going to be about British royalty. And it's like, no, this is about chess in the 60s. Or like, yeah. I did, there was no, it wasn't like, oh, this is totally different from what I expected. There were surprises. <laughs> I bet but, not. <laughs> but it was pretty much what I expected. Um, I had some surprises too. I wonder if they're the same as your surprises. We'll see. Mm. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about a piece of news this week about uh, Netflix and Dave Chappelle. Um, so Chappelle's show, his sketch show from 15 years ago, I mean, it's been online, um, but was recently added to Netflix and HBO Max. And I guess he sort of alluded to the fact that he wasn't super happy about this when he appeared on Saturday Night Live. And yesterday, he posted this clip on Instagram where he kind of goes into it a bit more. And it's just like very clear, clear about the fact that he was super unhappy about his contract with Comedy Central, which apparently does not grant him sort of any additional compensation when a show when the show is like sold for for streaming, um, and so he basically, in his view, he was talking about the idea that anyone who's like streaming the show, any company that's streaming the show, is essentially fencing stolen goods. Is the phrase that he used? I don't think he's really making a legal argument, but like just like a, an ethical argument that he thinks like what Comedy Central has, has did to him was pretty fucked up, and then he called up Netflix, and he said, this is what he said. So you know what I did? I called them and I told them that this makes me feel bad. And you know what they did? They agreed that they would take it off their platform just so I could feel better. Um, so that is why mm. Chappelle's show is no longer available on Netflix. Wow. But they have like other arrangements with him, right? So they're motivated through those probably. They have, they have a, yeah, an incentive to keep Dave Chappelle happy because they, they struck a pretty big deal with him to stream a bunch of his stand-up specials. Yeah. I don't know. People were like, oh, this is universally, this is good. Like, uh, I guess so. I don't know. I like that content. Because you made a bad deal in the past doesn't really make me super sympathetic for you just taking it away from everybody forever or whatever, you know? Like, I think that's kind of lame, actually, but... Yeah. Uh, everybody on the internet was thought this was like the great feel good news of 2020. <laughs> so, sure, sure maybe it is. It shows how low our bar is right now though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I didn't I guess it's there are like a couple of broader issues where I feel a little bit more conflicted where I do think that at a certain point when you put something into the world, like you don't necessarily get to say control how it's seen or distributed after that and and that you know i think and ultimately that leads to like things like a robust public domain and um but in this case it was like sure fine i mean there are plenty of places you can go watch Chappelle's show if you want netflix made dave Chappelle happy that seems like a good thing you should talk to taylor swift about the right to own and distribute your work after you put it out into the world i bet she has some (laughs) thoughts oh yeah i mean she's mad about that 
She's super mad, but she's at least getting to re-record her masters, right? And I, right. I did you guys yeah. read the letter she sent to the people that purchased the original masters from Scooter? I read ac- quotes that were in newspaper yeah, articles. Yeah, I don't I think I read, read the, the whole letter. thing. Yeah, she was pretty. I mean, I read the letter and I just, I don't know. I liked the uh, tone of it because it was essentially like. I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. It was like, Scooter's a dick, and I won't have any involvement with Scooter in any way, shape, or form. But I also want to be perfectly transparent with you because I feel like you've just gotten into a big business deal, and I fully intend to re-record all of this music and direct my fans to purchase it through where where, (laughs) the new music. And not there's a highly diminished value in what you just did, and I wish that we could have communicated more before that because I actually would have loved to work with you but you just signed the deal with Scooter getting profits and yeah. I can't be a part of that anymore. It was like very nice and mature while still being like, very direct. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Because like she, they, it seemed like the, like with them from their original communication, they were very much like, oh, we like solved this. Like we went, like this is why we did it. But part of the stipulation of the, of the negotiations with Bronze thing was like that they weren't allowed to go talk to Taylor at all about this while the deal was going down so then <laughs> like when they came out and we're like oh we did it and then she was like oh no sorry like you really you didn't get it like this isn't the way that this was going to work and because you have this other stipulation in there this can never be the case right and it's i feel bad for the people who did the thing because that was this, probably their whole motivation behind it right but it's i don't know it, it's they're still going to be fine like that they're going to yeah. make plenty of money off the original recordings and even if Taylor re-records them, like people are going to want the originals as well as the new ones. That's sort of the nature of the music business as it has always existed for millions of thousands of years or whatever. Right. But like, yeah, so it's not like when she records these new ones, everyone's going to be like, Oh fuck. Well, the other ones don't exist anymore. Shit. We're only going to listen to these new ones that Taylor made. Well, and there may be a, there's like a pretty high possibility that like, especially the content we're talking about is really old. And she was young when she recorded it. And mm-hmm. like those voice, your voice changes, right? Like oh, you yeah, can't yeah. perfectly replicate it. And people become really attached to like small things. I don't know if, do you guys remember Jojo? Yes. And she had Jojo's that. Jojo's still very active. Yeah, totally. Ooh. And she had that, her name's Jojo. And she came onto the scene when she was like, I don't know, 13, 14, like mm-hmm. very young. And she had this hit single called Leave, Leave, Get Out. Yeah. And she it was phenomenal i mean she's she had a a fan she has a fantastic voice but she had to re-record that for whatever reason there was some record label dispute and the original version like isn't on spotify anymore and she can't she's aged to the point where she actually can't hit the big power (laughs) note or either maybe she can and chose not to i don't know like you know i'm not going to say she is physically incapable but for whatever reason, she chose not to hit like the big power high note in that song, and I can't. I want the old one. Like the old one is the one yeah. that I'm attached to. You know what I mean? So like, it'll be interesting to see how the because Taylor obviously has like an army of support legion, right? Um, mm-hmm. That will want to download that music and listen to that music just by virtue of their support for her. But whether or not they'll actually like a re-recording of, you know, Dear John more than the original Dear John, I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, it won't have the same emotional resonance, right? Like, that's just the way exactly. that people's brains right. work. I mean, I feel like, um, and I mean, I say this as somebody who really likes those records, like, um, trying to just replicate the exact sound of the original recording seems like a fool's errand versus like, okay, here's like a new version of the songs that I want you to pay attention to and and download and, and you know, stream and all the, all the other things. Um, that seems like much more plausible. I guess as yeah. you guys have been talking, like the other thing that, se- that occurs to me is that I, f- I feel like when you talk about somebody like Taylor Swift or Dave Chappelle, like, um, and I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but they're fundamentally, they're rich, they're famous, they're successful, uh, they're going to be fine. Um, and so when they win victories like this, I think that I feel good about it in the sense that as rich and successful and powerful as they are, they aren't as rich usually as the corporations they're fighting against. And so that's right. great. Like, by all means. Um, but I think it's more meaningful and I feel more sort of excited about when their successes can translate and, and making things more fair for people who are less successful. And so like mm-hmm. if Taylor Swift, you know, take, you know, really fighting for ownership of her, of her master recordings and saying that she should have control of those masters makes it more likely that a less successful artist can get control of their masters. That's great. If it turns into this sort of one-off thing where, or I mean, I guess she, she hasn't succeeded anyway, but like, um, if, if that sort of just is just like, oh, if you're insanely successful, then maybe we can negotiate for your masters. Like, then it's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, but even Taylor. then you can't, right? Like the, the record label industry and all those folks have such a chokehold on things in the last right. 10 years because of the way everything's changed. And then on top of it, you add concert revenue coming right. off the table with COVID, they're literally like, no, we don't really give a fuck. Like, we're going to squeeze every penny we can out of everything. Like, your morals literally mean nothing to us. But also, that's kind of a theme for Taylor in a way, right? Like, the with her um, sexual harassment case as well, where she, she countersued for uh, $1.00 just Mm -hmm. to make her point right like she was sued for defamation over saying someone sexually harassed her and then countersued for one dollar just to be like uh want to be perfectly clear that this actually did happen it's not about any money this guy's just an asshole and i'm not going to be like bullied around you know what i mean which is a big deal like that's you know i don't know if that's a precedent setting case but i'm sure that it had some effect on people who have been harassed or abused in any way and think like Taylor says, it doesn't matter when it happens. It doesn't matter, you know, what they're saying about you or whatever. You need to stand up for yourself. So right idea there. I, I'm a big, I'm a big T-Swift fan, particularly that reputation tour. I don't know how we got here, by the way. Do we want to keep talking about Taylor Swift? <laughs> I'm a fan too, but it's, it is a thing where it's like, yeah, the, the both, both of these, it's just really hard to celebrate when it's like, well, I mean... Yeah, it's great that you have that much influence and undue power and that is not really applicable to anyone else who's not in your position, right? Like literally anyone else who calls up Netflix and is like, can you take off this show? I don't like it anymore. They're like, right. Get it, go away. Like <laughs> yeah. your your phone didn't even go through. Your, your call didn't even go through, right? Yeah, I, I hear that. But I mean, there are ways to use it for good and there's ways to use it like selfishly and uh, yeah like just for your own gain and and, all and that when stuff, they use it for good that's great this isn't one of those cases no i agree this is, yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine that they're doing it, but it's not like a sort of, oh, this is great for everyone. Um, yeah. Welcome yeah, to been, original content where we discuss the music This is like a Dear Diary industry. moment. <laughs> well, but also how the music, you know, how the finance, I mean, part of the reason these discussions are happening now is because there was a certain model of compensation. I, I guess I'm more familiar on the sort of TV and movie side of like, this is how we pay you, this is how you get bonuses, how like, you know, what the financial incentives are. And now those are all changed because streaming is the dominant model and they figure they have to figure out like um how do you you know what is a what does success look like what is like a, a bonus for success look like yeah yeah this but this is something you could see you know i don't have any anecdotes to like back this up but like you could see it happening almost in the old studio system of like hollywood where like the key thing was like having your talent and having your stable happy and it was really built around personalities or whatever and so like if you wanted to convince someone to come over or convince someone to stay happy and stay with you, like you would make this kind of concession, like more horse trading going on, I guess. But Right, right. Versus where I think like the more lasting changes, I mean, I think it can come from like that kind of horse trading, but it's also like when like the WGA went on strike in 2008 and they got like the basic contract um, changed for how writers should get compensated and that they should get more money for, for online uh, I guess at the time it was more around online purchases because they didn't realize that uh, subscription streaming was going to be the big thing. But right. um, I think those tend to be the more meaningful changes. Um, although, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think there's probably a little bit of a, a trickle down effect too of like if when a big artist wins a big victory, then hopefully other other less famous people can be like, hey, I deserve that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's. This is going to be a little bit of a tone and topic change, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, but let's get back to Holiday. Daryl, you were the one who was just seeing a lot of promotions for it, right? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, on my own Netflix, maybe that's just like Netflix knows this is the kind of content I enjoy. But I have. But you know what? It's it's reset. Well, they probably have track you against it, but like. All of my Netflix stuff was reset because I think I explained before I was paying like the American prices for years and the only way to get out of that was to switch Hmm. accounts entirely, like cancel my old account and switch my email and everything. So they don't technically know that I love the holiday content. Maybe I'm more like a new user, so this is what they would push to them. But I was definitely seeing it pop up in my feed a lot. Oh yeah, it was all over my feed. But I'm prime suspect for this shit. Like a rom-com person and... I mean, me too. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So you I didn't get no fed idea this, this at all. Coming out, as I but, <laughs> I'm not uh, surprised by that at all. Yeah. Although I do. I mean, like we've talked about this before. I, I, there are. I wouldn't say that I sort of keep up with rom coms or like prioritize them, but I do. There are ones that I really, really like. I mean, set it up for me in terms of like recent years is probably the gold standard. Always be my maybe was pretty good. I liked it. I would. I think set it up is like the one that I just have rewatched a bunch because it's just like I can't uh, believe you'd pure. rewatch that. Like I mean, oh yeah, it it's again just pure joy. Time. And there's like this like scene on the roof where they're like ordering pizza. It's oh, it's like the most romantic thing in the world. Um, I don't think I. Oh said my it. god, <laughs> Anthony. Sometimes I feel like I know all there is to know about you, and then you say something. I'm like, who is he exactly? <laughs> um, I have layers, layers. Yeah, man. we must have watched that while you were gone, Daryl. Like. Yeah, I'm surprised you weren't there for it. I'm surprised I haven't seen this now that I look at it. Recommend it. Oh, yeah, you'd like it. Tay Diggs and it's Ali Wong, right? And then two. No, uh, Lucy Liu. Oh, Lucy oh no, Liu, my bad. Oh yeah, always be my maybe is Ali Wong. Uh, Lucy Liu is in. Ah, that's why I'm getting it mixed up. 
And then um, Titus Burgess. That's I think great. the two leads are were relatively unknown for set mm-hmm. it up, right? Like they they were kind of debuting a little bit, but it was good. Right, exactly. And I guess I bring that up because part of this is that like Netflix has brought back um, romantic comedy in a lot of ways, and uh, not to say that it ever completely went away, but like I think the amount of romantic comedies coming out in theaters was really declining just because they yeah. weren't like you know the theatrical business the didn't changing. make sense anymore yeah yeah and um but it did make sense for streaming and i think in a lot of ways that's a good thing <laughs> to me to be honest holiday i'm i don't i didn't dislike it but it felt like a reminder of like oh right a lot of these romantic comedies that were coming out in theaters were very formulaic and you got exactly what you were expecting and it was fine, but it wasn't amazing. And that was sort of my feeling here. I was like, all right, this is this is fine. Um, I'm reasonably entertained for an hour and a half. What are you talking about? They they changed. They surprised you with all kinds of stuff, like no swears and self referentialism <laughs> and all there kinds of great. There were a lot of things that I really Thanks. liked about it. Um, when you. When you, Anthony, said, oh, like, that was the most romantic thing in the world, I actually thought that that post-Halloween scene was, like, <laughs> almost in a completely different tone than the rest of the movie, and but, like, in a good way. Like, it... Mm, yes. I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, and... Yeah. Which is funny, because it comes after a scene that's so, so, so different. So not... Yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought there were a handful of pretty funny things, but I also, and, and I can even get on board with the self-referential bit, although some, I, I feel like it doesn't quite succeed in that effort as much as it wants to, because, you know, they play out exactly what they're all annoyed by and what we're all annoyed by right. in a very it real way. And you're like, I don't, element. yeah, I don't know if you did that enough, right? Like you could have been. It's like people who are not self-aware being like, you're not self-aware. It's like, well, um, but they wanted you want to, you still want it. You know, it's bad. But I, my biggest problem with it, to be honest, and I might sound kind of prudish in this was just that it was very crude, like very crude and vulgar. Yeah. And like, you know, I maybe wouldn't have felt that strongly, but I did sit down and watch it with my mother and father and sister. And it was uncomfortable. And by the end of the movie, I was alone on the couch, like having to watch this for the podcast. So I don't know. It just doesn't feel very family friendly at all. Oh, it's not family friendly. That's what's so good about it. It's oh, but cool, the thing that's weird is that it's cool not people. I mean, again, I didn't watch a trailer for this or anything. So I don't know exactly how this is like promoted, but like, you know, just from the name and everything. Yeah. I sort of assumed it would be a very kind of. And like Kristen Chenoweth and you're like, yeah, oh, like. PG kind of romantic comedy. And it's, it's not, but it's not all like, it doesn't commit to the gross out part either. Like in terms of like, yeah. you know, like if you compare it to like a Farrelly Brothers movie where there's like people putting like semen in their hair and things right. like that this is just like oh there are some gross and sexually explicit things but it all in the same way that the meta stuff doesn't dominate the movie it doesn't feel like the gross out stuff dominates the movie. there's just a couple of oh, i feel like, like oh. it does i feel like the first hour of the movie is like not and i'm not talking about gross out i'm talking about like just I mean, it is very R-rated. Like, you can't yeah. go, you There's know, you can't swears, go 30 seconds jokes. without the F-bomb. You can't, like... 
Yeah. I mean, there's sex jokes like every 90 seconds right. or so where it's just like, and that's the first full hour of the movie where you're like, they, there's has not been a conversation that I would feel comfortable watching with either of my parents so far. Yeah. I don't think, I, yeah, I, I think it's weird in that it's not made explicit, but it's definitely like, to me, this felt like it's for like adult singles or adult couples at home watching it yeah. alone, right. not with anybody else. Right. And it's, and it's not made explicit anywhere in any of the marketing or anything mm-hmm. like that. Or in the trailer yeah. or anything. And you... But they start with... Don't, doesn't she swear like right away? So then you're like, oh wait. Like maybe if you're... Yeah, that's your like cl- clue. Then you're like, I oh mean, no, turn off. I think we got through the first five minutes where they're cutting back and forth between her Thanksgiving, I think. Or her Christmas and the other guy's Christmas. Yeah. And like over the course of that sequence for the first five minutes, like it's pretty clear that you need a thickerish skin to get through oh this yeah because well, he also ends up in bed <laughs> there's or, a blowjob. yeah right there's, yeah. yeah and there's you know kristen chenoweth i think has a couple pretty explicit moments in that sequence right. and so anyways i think that it makes itself clear off the rip but you could see how based on the way it's marketed and the trailer someone would do exactly what I did all holiday season and sit down with their entire family and think rom-com about Christmas time and have a really rough five minutes and whether (laughs) they make it through that or not, who knows? Right. But like, but this is probably, this is a great, I bet this recommends it to so many people listening who are like, Oh, I wasn't down with this before. Daryl, who are you? (laughs) I don't know who either of you are. I mean, to me, to me, the main the main point here is just if you're in, you know, if you're say our age, you know, an, an elder millennial, um, we're not the same. Do, age. That's younger than both of you're, them. You are significantly younger. Spry. You are you are peak millennial. Um, mm-hmm. But don't watch this with if you, if you're a parent, don't watch this with your kids. If you have you know older parents, don't watch it with them because it probably will not be a fun viewing experience. It's not comfortable at all. I'm proud of my dad, actually. He made it like 45 minutes. And he was like, I'm sorry, Jordy, I just can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, so the premise of the movie is that these, um, that we basically see these two characters go through these pretty awful Christmases for, for different reasons. The, the woman, because her family is just constantly badgering her about the fact that she's single. And the guy, because... He feels that that the specific woman and women in general on the holidays kind of go crazy and sort of expect all this like commitment and and sort of moving into a serious phase of the relationship. And so when they sort of run into each other at the mall in this sort of meet cute, um, he proposes that they become each other's holidays, which is an idea that I guess uh, the Kristen Chenoweth character um, had had mentioned in passing. This idea that you basically just have somebody that you hang out with to hang out with on the holidays because there's sort of all this undue pressure around the holidays. So let's just let's make an just explicit say. deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're just my date for the holidays. And an interesting thing about it is that it's not a secret deal. That, at least for me, it was like, I thought they were going to yeah, get I thought that was interesting like, too. Yeah. I expected oh, what these the people trailer. think they're boyfriend, girlfriend, but nobody, everybody is aware of what's going on right. in terms of their right. family and friends. Yeah, yeah. This is the dude I bring around for Thanksgiving and that's all. So, you guys can just treat him as such. One of the sort of recurring themes is the fact that her family continually is like, why are you bringing this guy around? Because 
he's not, you know, we all know he's only your holiday, and so there's no future here. Or if you sleep with him, then that's fine. By all means, like start yeah, sleeping yeah. with him. I did like how the mom changed her tune too. She was like, you're a waste of time. Like, this is stupid. And then she was like, you guys should sleep together. Yeah. Maybe then it'll work out. Like by the by halfway through the movie, the mom's like, yeah. I'm so desperate for you to get hitched that we could even take a holiday guy. Just do something. Yeah. And I will say that, I mean, the idea is like a lot of romantic comedy ideas, kind of silly. Um, I mean, extremely silly. But it does make for a pretty fun structure for the film in that every scene takes place during a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you sort of get... And some of them are dumb because it's like Mother's Day. That's just, that's just, that's Why not would one. you bring someone around for Mother's Day? <laughs> yeah. Like, I agree But with it's, that. it's great that you get to see these little glimpses of, of their lives. And um, I even thought the first one was stupid. Like, why does he need... A date. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense to need a date for a New Year's Eve party because most people come as couples, so you don't want to be like right. the doofus standing there single. But you could also meet someone on New yeah. Year's Eve as well. It just seemed kind of stupid how desperate he was to have some rando come to a New Year's Eve party with him. So, Gerald, talk a little bit more about why you like this movie so much because you actually posted in our Slack, oh, wow, Holiday is actually... It's really great, actually. Yeah, because it was... Cr- rude and crude and i was like oh wow this is uh, more spicy than i was thinking it was gonna be and i thought that they had good uh chemistry the leads and i really liked especially the male lead maybe because he was oh, australian or whatever but is he australian he's something he, yeah he's australian yeah 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 um yeah so like it's just good it was good it was funny and it was it was a lot better than so I was expecting, I guess, like the princess arrangement or whatever the hell that one's called, um, which, by the way, is still on my to watch list because number two came out and she plays a blonde version of herself in this <laughs> new one. What's it called? The Princess Chronicles? No, Princess, princess Swap? Princess swap. No, close. The Princess Switch? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, I thought it was going to be that brand of Netflix holiday show where it's like okay, this is clearly awful in in all ways, but everyone in it seems to be aware of that, so it's fine, and we're all just along for the ride. But, or or worse than that, the one with, um, the one with the, where he was the Sasquatch in the town, the very good, serious actor, and he plays like a Bigfoot, and he has to pretend to be Bigfoot, and his wife is a furry. Come on, you know what I'm talking what? about. What? I don't know what you guys are talking about. I was distracted, though. Take me back. Netflix, the Netflix holiday show with the guy, the very serious guy uh, who's a good actor, but he <laughs> plays a Sasquatch in this. Like, he has to dress... Pottersville, Pottersville. Michael Shannon. The oh Michael God. Shannon, Ron Perlman Netflix show Pottersville movie. I'm more lost now than I was. I thought we talked about I that on this podcast. Attention. Maybe we didn't. Anyways, it's awful but that was one where i was like oh maybe like for me netflix movies have typically followed one of two paths like okay this is a lighthearted, idiotic movie that i'm gonna watch because everybody in it thinks it's dumb too and we're all having fun or pottersville where it's like wait this has michael shannon and then you watch and you're like this is terrible this is just a terrible film what the fuck were they thinking and then this struck the nice balance of being like oh this is like surprisingly good in in that it's 
not like total throwaway garbage. It's just like a pretty adequate romantic comedy, right? Like, and in, in, in a good way that I'm saying adequate, but I don't know. That's why I liked it. Adequate was definitely the word I, w- I was thinking of. Maybe not quite as good a way in the sense that I think if you look at the bar set by something like Set It Up or Always Be My Maybe or To All The Boys I've Loved Before, um, I definitely think this is like not even in the same league as those movies. I think it's in the same league. I don't think it's up to par with those, but I think it's at least in the same stratosphere, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. In the sense that, like, I mean, those are still, like, genre films that are, like, sort of executing on a specific formula. I just think they do it well and, yeah. and like, really, really well. Um, whereas this is much more... Okay, sure. Everyone... No one no one needs to be ashamed of being in this movie. Um, and um, I had a good time. I was... I, I did think that the cast was better than the movie. Not dramatically better, because I think no one was like phoning it in except maybe Alex Moffat from Saturday Night Live. But um Who did he play? The wife. He played husband. the the absentee husband. Yeah. He's not absentee. He's oh, actually yeah. overly dedicated. Like Right, fair enough. He didn't have much to work with, but you're it was right. Over it, the top. It was weird because he's the like the one actual comedian in the cast. And I don't think really that's very fair to Kristen Who? Chenoweth. None of these people honest. are comedians. She's Kristen not a comedian. Chenoweth has been she's in a, a handful of comedy. She's, she's a yeah. comic actress who is primarily a Broadway superstar. Sure. Which is an even better thing to be. Oh, wow. So we're ranking things. TBH. We're saying that Broadway stars are better than <laughs> comedians. Ranking artistic aspirations. <laughs> Awesome. Dramatic actors are at the bottom of the barrel. Amy Adams, <laughs> boo! I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the the cast includes uh, so the the female lead is Emma Roberts. Um, love her, in love with her. Thank you. Just very good, fantastic. She's fine. Yeah, she's fine. Um, wow. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> and then, uh, as you said, Kristen Chenoweth plays her her aunt, aunt and then her mother is played by Frances Fisher, who. Yeah. Is not like a big star, but like has acted in a bunch of in big so movies. many she's things. In Titanic. You've Why seen her before. Oh yeah, she is in Titanic. She plays the mother in Titanic, right? Kate's mother. Mm-hmm. Once again, the mother trying to marry somebody <laughs> off. She's good at that role. Yeah, she was great in Watchmen, but she's in everything. Everything. Oh yeah. That dude is relatively unknown, though, right? The male lead. I don't know. I don't recognize that yeah. bro at all. Luke Bracy. No, I don't know him Felt either. Like he was in G.I. Joe. They really Joe. wanted like, Liam Hemsworth to play that role and couldn't Retaliation. get him. So they were just like, oh, here's this other Australian dreamboat. I looked yeah. him up too, and, and I saw that not, it's that he's in G.I. Joe Retaliation, but you don't hear his voice. He wears the Cobra Commander <laughs> costume, and then it's somebody else's voice that you hear. Yeah, yeah. So he does body acting in that one, which is the hardest kind of acting. That's the if best. We're if, we're value, if we're putting value judgments on things <laughs> above Broadway, right which is above comedian, you have body actor. <laughs> I have to say that I did not find him as charming that, as Daryl oh, did. Because he's such a bro I that I was just like, Ugh, I don't. It's yeah, I don't need to see this guy. Rugged, like, he, good looks. He has some nice age lines, but just the right amount. Daryl just sees. I liked his accent and his face, <laughs> but otherwise, as a character, I did not. Um, I was not crazy. He's so so. Yeah. Well, it was because also it, it, they didn't treat him as he is this kind of sexist, boorish character who has to learn better. It's just that he is an extremely broy guy um, who never crosses the line where I'm like, oh, this is 
terrible or offensive, but I'm just like, oh, this is kind of intense broiness, and I'm not. To be fair, it. though, I think this is like a cultural progression of our society, or maybe just me and my faults, or a combination of the two. But I find it to be more um, distasteful or unattractive when a man is very set in his opinions. And I find it more attractive when a woman is. So his whole like Mm -hmm. garbage food and blah, 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 like all of his kind of like set rules and limitations for who he is as a person are really like gross to me. Whereas if a girl was like, Mm. oh, no, I don't eat that trash. I'd be like, yeah, stand up for yourself, sister. Let's do it. You know, so it's like, oh, yeah, because he judges all of like a double standard with the way that I weigh that, you know, right. Yeah, but a kind of double standard that at least in America in 2020 we can. It's kind of grounded in stuff, right? Because like, right, <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. It's not unfounded. But it is funny because I like that was actually one of the things I liked about him, not because I thought it was like so great that he that he liked it, but just felt like this very specific thing that I could kind of relate to, um, and reminded me of the fact that like when our coworker Brian oh. met my girlfriend Julie for the first time, Brian apparently one of the things they talked about. Mm. was that uh, the fact that I just don't ever eat anything between meals and just am like, oh. will always refuse. Like when anyone That's offers weird. food between meals. I don't find that weird <laughs> at all. It's weird. I, I, don't, I don't really <laughs> like snacks either, Anthony. I like oh, food. come on. Look. Yeah. I'm showing a jar I'm of almonds. I'm showing a camera. jar of almonds, he says. <laughs> Thanks, Canada. Get out of here. So that was like, but I think like the idea of guys who have like weird food hangups is not something we see a lot on film. So it's just like, yeah, okay, that's relatable. I'm into that. Yeah, that's true. It was a bit reversed, but then it was like, he was a typically male dick about it, I guess. But yeah, it was like, yeah, you normally the health nut is like not the men as portrayed in these That was a nice reversal. Or... I think it was just the attitude with which he talked about it was more bothersome to me than the fact that he actually did it. And I also feel like I probably um perceived the joke about him being a pro uh a semi-pro golfer or whatever differently than <sighs> other people too because like that's meant I think that's meant to be a joke for everyone who doesn't play golf that like he keeps calling himself a professional athlete and like eating really healthy and food and joke. he plays golf. But in reality, yeah. I think he's actually right that golfers are some of the best athletes in the world. No, I like that joke because it's accurate. It's not. Golfers, everyone, sh- everyone should be golfers confused. Golfers are fantastic athletes. And when he, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this yet, but when he receives an injury or whatever, I was like deeply concerned because I was like that, is probably the most important oh yeah i mean appendage. that particular yeah, one yeah, that is a very yeah, right. bad injury for him to have with his profession or whatever i forgot that even happened in this movie they didn't address it wild. either i thought he was gonna be like mad yeah. forever like and go into depression or something because he couldn't play golf anymore that would be a much darker movie it might have made the ending whatever i i always rewrite these shows i'm just gonna shut the fuck up Let's, I do want to talk about some of these set pieces because I think they'd just be kind of fun to talk about um, in spoilers. But before we get into spoilers, one thing I did want to add is that if you want to see a romantic comedy where the main characters have a, an absurd deal with each other and slowly fall in love, I would recommend the movie Plus One over this. Start with Plus One, which is with um, Maya Erskine and um, Dennis Quaid's son. I can't remember his a name. A Quaid. <laughs> but... 
uh, and, and they agree to be each other's plus ones at weddings, which I think is I find more appealing and um, and also I just think it's a better movie. It's still not like a great movie, but but I think it's better than this. Watch that oh, and then watch Holiday. That's Dennis Quaid's son, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid from The Boys. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I guess he did before The Boys. Huh. I was always like, why is this person famous when I watch The Boys? Like, he doesn't deserve to be famous for any reason. But now uh, it makes sense because he's part of like a Hollywood dynasty. Right. Just like Emma Roberts. Right. Exactly. Well, she's a, her aunt is Julia Roberts. Is that how it right. works? I think her father's Eric Roberts. Oh, really? Oh, man. Eric Roberts, one of the greatest actors of all time based on our hierarchy before. <laughs> Great body actor. That guy. <laughs> Uh, does a great like scream in like like pretending that his knees have been broken in <laughs> the dark night yeah yeah um i just want to read b- before we get i don't know if this isn't a spoiler so just like one of the goofs from imdb the only goof for this movie when sloan opens the box of chocolates in the mall the amount and arrangement of the chocolates changes from shot to oh, shot. oh man you have to do the con- con- continuity play don't you daryl you just can't help yourself <laughs> i can't help myself with just, stuff like that too though, to be fair I, I click through these things and I'm like, wait, oh, so what? they have Darryl, a goof, and that's what. Have you ever <laughs> seen Plus One? Oh, uh, no, no, I haven't seen that. Me neither. So Anthony is a, you know, you, you essentially have to. He has to be your favorite co-host for you to take that advice at this point. Yeah, there's no way for us to confirm or deny his opinion. <laughs> well, that could be good. <laughs> Okay, are we going to spoilers? Let's go into spoilers. If you have not seen... I mean, and I, I should say again, this is a romantic comedy. Like, we're not going to spoil any giant twists or anything, but... If you, it's unspoilable. You know, you know if what If you don't want to know, like, what the big set pieces are and how it ends, you should stop listening now. Whatever. Don't even do that. It's still... <laughs> rom-com is in the, the details. You'll we enjoy can't it. describe... Yeah, we can't describe the, the emotion behind the love scene that you will experience and we can't describe perfectly in detail all of the jokes that will make you laugh so yeah well i want to talk about the finger and i want to talk about the laxative scene those are the two for right. me yeah well, those obviously are the big those are the big ones I, I, before we do that though i do want to talk a little bit about cinco de mayo as well i think those are a couple. okay that, that's another set piece so i just thought they did a great job uh cinematically with that scene with them getting drunk so it's like uh, for the listeners, it's about halfway through the um, movie, and obviously because it starts at Christmas and it ends at Christmas, so Cinco de Mayo is right in the middle. And they've been they've probably gone on like four, five, or six holidays at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And they are getting wasted on tequila, and the whole movie changes. And it's like, what was the movie? Was it? Uh, was it te- or what was the music? Was it tequila? Aye, tequila. Yes, I think so. And they're getting wasted, and they do. It almost feels like I don't know. Oh, Daryl, you've played Red Dead Redemption. You know mm-hmm. the scene yeah. where the most they fun get, scene in the yeah, whole game, where they get drunk, and he's looking for uh, oh God, what's that guy's name? Um, but it was like that. It was like gets very swervy, and the color changes. Yeah. There's a scene like that in Assassin's Creed Valhalla now too, which I think because of that game, there's now a rule that there has to be a scene in every video game where the two protagonists get really drunk and have a bunch of goofy fun. It's a rule of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Or 2019 or 2018, like whenever those rule. games came out. Um, but then I also thought this following scene was important too, and it sets up a lot for the rest of the movie uh, cinematically because they are plot-wise because they 
uh, we assume that they have sex because did they or she didn't w- they? I think they did. I mean, she wakes up on the floor. He wakes up on the couch. She's wearing his underwear. Mm-hmm. And she says that she was sleeping on the couch at one point. Exactly, which makes us feel like, why are they both sleeping on the couch together? And obviously she has been fully naked at one point as well. So that's a huge signal to all of us. Um, And she's getting dressed again and they're kind of debating whether or not they actually slept together because they were so drunk. And they both kind of decide like, we don't know. So let's just assume we didn't, even though I think both of them knows that they did. Although does it, did you really have sex if you, if neither party remember it at all? Does it actually count? I don't know. Like emotionally and it only counts if you have a baby. They probably would know. This probably is, this isn't very realistic, I think. Right? I like that they were both we sort of like searching for like biological anatomical signs. I have it on good authority that they would probably know. But Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, I think, let's yeah, just breeze past that. <laughs> would be a factor and right. other things. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Like maybe a plan but B stop might be good or something. But um, It's a fun moment in the thing because then they have this. It matters a lot later. Because they have a moment after he gets hurt where she touches his arm and he puts his hand over her hand and something as simple as like that very benign, like I I could do the same thing to Anthony or Daryl and we wouldn't think like we're in love now, right? Like that is a very benign kind of friendly and platonic act of affection and yet they both feel something very, very powerful in that moment. So to know that, and and I think the sister even says like, so you're saying that was a bigger vibe than him potentially having his penis in your vagina. Right. And she's like, yeah, way bigger. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think that was a critical piece. That's all I really wanted to say about. Well, Cinco I think it also reflects the fact that um, one of the things that I actually think is is true in, uh, and, 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 accurate in like modern romantic comedies is the fact that like the sex part isn't always the big deal and that like right. i mean the sort of the most extreme example of that was that year we had like two different friends with benefits films um that idea that yeah like the rom- the romance can come after the sex in a lot of ways and i and i thought that was this was like a, a good decent illustration of that mm-hmm. um yeah so then what was the other, the finger finger mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about the finger about? I just thought that was... I like the fact... I mean, I like the fact she was a... Well, I mean, you see, this, I guess, sort of is bad and sort of fits into this bad stereotype, but, like, I liked the sort of scene where she's just, like, the most extreme version of bad driver imaginable. And yeah, that was yeah, pretty good. That was good. Yeah. They did it well where I didn't feel offended as a woman because she's literally, like, she's just a bad driver. Like, it's not really, it has nothing to do with her being a woman. She's right. just a fucking terrible driver. Right. She's really nervous. In the same way that I'm a bad driver and an Asian, but the fact that I'm a bad driver has nothing to do with the fact that I'm Asian. Right. Yeah, they did a, that whole scene overall. I thought was great. Like, and when they're getting high in the hospital room and yeah. they're making finger puns, like that yeah. was very like she's wrapped around your finger, <laughs> and they start laughing. It's like I can't yeah. put my finger on it, and they're just cracking up. That was pretty good. That was actually like the cleanest humor of the whole movie. I liked also in that scene the way they handled the. Um... The sister, the way the sister-in-law, or I guess was not sister-in-law yet, was just like her brother's fiance at that point, gets stoned. And I feel like sort of uptight character gets stoned is very familiar, but Uh I like the low-key way they showed it, where like, especially where she's just like, 
eating food really enthusiastically and being like, I guess I'm just one of those people who's not affected. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the, I thought they did that really well. There were a couple other funny moments when she was high that I can't remember right and now. But the that part. Oh yeah, but that yeah. I didn't think that was the funniest bit. I thought no, there was, was one okay. other line that she said that was very. It was maybe something about who should drive or something that was very funny. Um, it did seem kind of insane that no one else went like was willing to drive him to the hospital. Right. Oh wait, can we talk about um, New Year's Eve as well? The dirty dancing moment. Oh yeah, I really thought that was going to go badly, and it went well. Well, right? I thought it was going to be a pratfall thing. I don't know. Well, if it we sort could of was. Call it, well, so it it definitely um, sub- subverted your expectations a lot because essentially I'll set the scene. They're Wait, a New Year's you, Eve oh, party. but then her boobs came out. Right, I forgot about that part. Thank you. They're at a New Year's <laughs> Eve party, and they had made a joke previously about if Ryan Gosling walked in and the Dirty Dancing theme music came on and Ryan asked her to dance. That she wouldn't, because the whole her whole plot line is that she, her heart's been broken and she's closed off, so she doesn't want to have any emotional attachment to anyone. And he was saying, you you know, she said, if it was him, I would open myself up again for that. And then, of course, an hour later, or whatever, that music comes on, and they're on the dance floor, and he kind of, they both kind of clear away everyone, knowing that this big moment's going to happen. And you think to yourself okay, this has to go to shit. Like, this has to literally be, like, the hugest... Because the movie's just started, so we can't... They can't be falling in love and having this kind of moment that early on, right? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. And then they do the lift, and it's perfect, and it's awesome, and everyone's clapping, and you're like, what a moment! Like, they've had this joke, and then they lived out the joke, and, like, she's gonna open herself up to him, and then her dress breaks, and her boobs fall out, and they both fall on the ground and injure themselves, and then you're like, oh, okay, so we did get what we expected, but with a hint of what we didn't expect, so I thought that was done pretty well. Right. I mean, that was... It didn't make me laugh. I mean, I think a lot of the jokes, especially... I think the hit ratio as far as the jokes is, like, relatively low But for me. But, like, there are a few, like, really fun, funny jokes. And I think to me, the thing that made that scene work was actually what comes after, which is then he's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta piss. And then he goes, and that's, like, when the countdown happens. Yeah. And I think, like, it does a good job of just capturing that anxiety of being alone when, like, the clock strikes midnight. And right. just like that, it's like a very small thing that to him, he was just like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Like, why not? And then he's like, oh, sorry. Um, but that to her, it was like really upsetting. Um, well, that seemed like that's like the whole point, right? Like, why else would you even want to have somebody around on New Year's except for that particular? Yeah, I mean, it was still was dickish of him, but yeah, <laughs> I could uh, sort of see in his head that it was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, that I mean, I, th- I liked that. I thought it was funny because, yeah, I was like, oh, Oh, I guess it went smoothly, and then they did that, and I was like, "Sweet, ha ha ha, boobs out." That's funny. So, <laughs> I, don't know. I a lot of the humor in this was, I think, just right up my alley. But it was definitely... okay. Let's talk about the laxative scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was so. The, the my main problem with that was like that they went that they maintained like oh like. I just have these and I thought they were aspirin or whatever. That was so stupid. It was so stupid that her sister, so her sister 
says, oh, I have these antacids, antacids because um, you're just like gorging yourself on candy. Um, and then after she's left, the sister looks at the jar and it says laxatives. And you're just like, yeah. what, what yeah, kind of right. person is doing this? That's insane. Yeah, that felt like stupid. And honestly, like poop jokes maybe aren't like in my wheelhouse a little bit. Like a lot of physical comedy isn't really in my right. wheelhouse. Um, but hmm, how do I say this? I just won't. I don't think there's a way to say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> upon thinking further on it, but I, it was it was in a necessary juxtaposition to what happens next. I think that's kind of like where I stand yeah. on the on the poop scene. Where the scene gets to is like fine um but it felt like so much of like that initial stuff very it felt very sort of perfunctory like of like oh we need like a group a gross out poop yeah. scene i mean if you compare that to like the the scene in bridesmaids which in many ways is like i think clearly this scene is sort of based on in some ways like that like is like much more masterful in my opinion of like setting it up and escalating over time to the point where, like, at the very end, you know, you have Maya Rudolph, like, shitting in the street, but it, like, seems like it's, I mean, A, it's just much funnier and it kind of, like, follows from, like, what came before, whereas here it's just, like, oh, let's, like, check off a box of, like, let's have this poop scene. Um, but then the, the romantic stuff that comes after is actually great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that they were trying to up the ante on their general intimacy. Like you start with that New Year's Eve moment. She changes dresses. He misses the kiss. And they have this kind of like, we don't have any reason to fake for one another, but also I'm kind of sorry I let you down as a holiday. And then you get to the point where he kind of saves her from her ex-boyfriend who's with his new girlfriend in the candy shop. Another kind of layer of intimacy. And they have the whole chocolate binge together. And then you get to... um, what was the oh the finger right where Mm -hmm. like they actually have that first vibe and she kind of like takes care of him and then we get to the point where the hardest kind of hurdle of all to master is her opening up because he's technically already open right like he doesn't have a problem dating someone seriously he's never said anything other than that it's just that he doesn't want the early pressure in a relationship that holidays entail when you take someone new to something so really it's whether or not she's willing to open up and they put her about in the most vulnerable position that a girl can be in, which is shitting yourself mm-hmm. in front of someone as an adult uh, past the age of three, essentially. So uh, and and the whole bathtub scene as well, where, you know, he's kind of like washing off her back and she's like, don't look at me. But they, that's a very intimate situation. Like you don't really you know what I mean? Even with people you love and care about close friends, I still don't think I would let them bathe me after a situation like that right Right. i don't know if i could let anyone ever do that i think i would have to be alone in that situation so um it gets us to the point we needed to get to that yeah it's it's true that in a lot of ways he actually like is in retrospect like a really decent guy who's kind of like come through for her in these like key moments um even though he's like super bro-y and then like in those moments he tends not to like make a huge deal about it too that like he he's not like oh i'm so great that like I'm washing mm-hmm. you off after you shot yourself. He's just like, oh, yeah, like this is what I do for you. And then I thought, like, the dynamic of the scene that came after was, like, good, too. I mean, another sort of, like, what, the one meta moment that I really liked was when she said, oh, I really hate it when they kiss, when people in rom-coms kiss in the mornings, which I also hate. Oh, yeah. Um, Me, too. Because she's like, oh, it's gross. But then they do anyways, and, and it's And they nice. fully have sex, and you're like, 
that it still ruins it for me. But that is an that that actually was an example of the meta that I thought they committed to pretty well. Um, yeah, as opposed to some of the other self-referential bits. Um, but I did think that that love scene was really really good. Like I didn't expect to be quite so like touched by it or like emotionally uh, manipulated by by that as a, as I was because. You've come so far with them, but also it's all been very, like, surface, you know, bullshit, haha, like, physical comedy. You know, you're just not really, like... And, and the way that they shot it and, like, the morning light, I thought it was smart to do, like, a morning love scene with them. They're, like, fully sober. They're, you know, you've got, like, this golden light coming in. And it was... The, the actors did a pretty good job, too. It felt like it was very passionate. Sometimes those, like, rom-com love scenes are, like... You can tell that those actors don't really give a shit about each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, like, this is uncomfortable. We're doing a love scene, like... I don't know. I thought they did a good job with it where I was like, wow, they're in love. I want them to be together. <laughs> like it worked. <laughs> Wait, Jordan. So you had this very awkward experience where your family watched the movie with you and you were kind of like, oh God, this is so uncomfortable. But when your family left, it sounded like it actually kind of grew on you and you were. Well, I feel bad for my family because I think that the first half of the movie is the, is the, move the part without any redemption in their eyes right like that's like a lot of sex jokes a lot of like crude humor a lot of cursing without like a whole lot to make you feel good about anything right like particularly from their perspective and by the time that we get to like the hand on the arm we get to like halloween we get to some more important conversations the grocery store scene the christmas mall scene right we're like oh that here's your payment for what you just watched for all of the kind of like goofy bullshit you just watched. Like they missed all of that. So like I was in the same ish boat as them in the beginning too. And they couldn't wait for the, for the payoff, but I obviously had to for you guys. So Mm -hmm. I did and it helped the payoff helped. You know what I mean? All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts about holiday? No, I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun holiday movie. Fun. Everyone should have fun. Unless, don't watch it with children. Or yeah, like don't watch it with children or older generations or anyone who's uncomfortable about sex jokes. or Anyone that you wouldn't want to make a sex joke to, you shouldn't watch this with, essentially. Yeah, um, that's fair. So, But it was good. I thought it was good. And I am so infatuated with Emma Roberts, the joke. That's my two cents. I like it. I mean, you know, I don't think it's, you know, watch it or don't. You're fine either way. But uh, it is a reasonably good and, as Daryl said, adequate romantic It's very comedy. adequate. Ah, oh, perfect, perfect adequacy. <laughs> but if you've watched it and you would like to let us know what you think, you can email us at originalcontent at techcrunch.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at originalcontent. And, of course, we always appreciate it when you leave us a positive review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. Thank you for listening. Daryl and Jordan, have a great long weekend. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Long in our case. Yeah. To uh, those who celebrate. Normal. Thanks.